0: More and more people are going to find themselves in compromising situations where they're going to have to rely on their neighbors and they're going to have to rely on family members maybe that they haven't spoken to because they had some stupid argument about something that doesn't mean so much when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. And when you're in such a situation that we are going to find ourselves in, we're gonna to have to rely on each other. I guess it comes down to that, You know, do you think humans are intrinsically good or evil? I think they're good.
1: Welcome to the Staying Free Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all enjoying the summer or winter, I guess, wherever you are in the world. I've just got back to Mexico and it is extremely hot uh, and also very loud. So I apologize if you can hear the cars, the animals, the construction, all that stuff going on. It's never a quiet day in Mexico, but hopefully my new mic will help to block out some of the sounds going on outside. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the last episode with Parallel Mike. Mike was kind enough to invite me on his podcast to have a kind of debate, friendly debate, let's call it about Bitcoin and it was a really, really good conversation. Mike and I have different ideas on Bitcoin, especially in terms of its long term value. But I think that having conversations like this, which are open and come from a place of respect and wanting to get down to the truth of the matter, uh, that's what we need more of. So I definitely recommend you go and check out that conversation between me and Mike. Since that conversation wasn't actually released when I did that episode with Mike, I wasn't able to mention it in the intro, but I have now put a link to that episode in last week's episode with Mike. So if you're interested to hear that conversation, then shoot over to my last episode with Mike and there'll be a link there in the description. Now for this week's episode, we have Erin Lee, who's also known as Just A Thought on Twitter. Many of you will be following her already. So I saw that Erin had published a article on Substack called How to Harness Our Humanity. And I really liked the sentiment of the article. So that was the main reason I wanted to get Erin on the podcast. So we started by talking about the article itself, but as always on this podcast, we ended up talking about a whole host of different subjects, but generally themed around the idea of how we can bring people together and kind of heal these divisions in society to work towards a better future, which is actually in the service of the people rather than the globalist interests. What I really respect about Erin is that she's got a positive attitude and doesn't seem to get drawn into an us-feed-them mentality, which is definitely something that I struggle with. But I think that it's super important to recognize who the real enemies are and to not get caught up in fighting each other. I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please give it a share on social media. If you're enjoying the podcast so far please give it a five-star review in whichever podcast app you're using once again there are two ways that you can support the podcast one is by giving a bitcoin tip on the twitter profile page just click the tip icon the other is to go to the link in the bio or the description of this episode which will take you to buy me a coffee and that will allow you to give a small donation as well tips are hugely appreciated and they will go directly to the cost of running this podcast final thing to note is i do intend to put this podcast on youtube you're listening to this in the future then you might actually be listening to this on YouTube already. I understand that YouTube is heavily censored and I will have to censor the episodes in order to meet YouTube's community guidelines but I'm going to make this very very obvious in the episode so if people want the full conversation it will always be available both from the podcast feed and on other censorship free platforms but for all its faults YouTube is quite good at building an audience and there are a lot of people who don't use podcast apps at all so I may have to edit some bits out on YouTube but I will make it very obvious when I do and direct people to censorship free platforms. I might be being a bit naive about the strategy and I might end up getting kicked off YouTube anyway, but if that's the case, then nothing is lost. All right, enough of the intro. Let's get to the episode. What's your What's your background?
0: Yeah, I mean, nothing too exciting. Uh, you know, I grew up and uh, up north, kind of around like the Boston area. I've been in DC about 10 years now. And, you know, I've done some work with like, NGOs, NPOs, you know, I've done some activist type stuff here in the area. Um, but as of now, I mean, I work kind of in like small, I work with small businesses, I do some HR help with them, accounting, stuff like that. Uh, but as far as like, you see on Twitter, that's just kind of what's in my head that I'm putting up on the internet for everyone to see.
1: (laughs) Cool. Well, I mean, you've got like a a big following on there. So where's that come from?
0: I think that honestly, there's just a lot of people that especially, I mean, I know that you're in the UK, right? Or where you were. Okay, right. Um, But you know, in the US, there's just, I'm sure very similarly, like, people are sick of this whole two-party system, they're sick of people always wanting to be boxed into groups and kind of aligning themselves with team blue or team red and kind of sticking to that, I think for the rest of their lives. So I find that a lot of people that I interact with, that's kind of where they stand as well. They're just kind of sick of the whole thing. They're sick of actual electoral politics in general. I mean, we're kind of seeing over and over the same results, which is pretty much a definition of insanity, you know?
1: Yeah yeah I definitely think that um you've tapped into something which I think a few people have which is that there's just I think been a gap probably for a while that's only just recently started to get filled um which is just for as you say a, like a kind of third way when it comes to to politics and stuff because there's a lot of people out there who feel kind of politically homeless so yeah obviously um that's kind of happened for you and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people who have kind of gained prominence in the UK as well I I guess just because There's so few people talking about these things, and um, yeah, I mean, I came across your article that you'd written, "How to Harness Our Humanity," and um, it's a really good article. So I definitely recommend that people go and check that out. I'd like to just kind of get some of your thoughts on what spawned that, like where did the inspiration of that come from? Because it's it's really well written. I think just kind of, I I guess not to um, to kind of go over the whole article here because people should go and read it. But um, you know, it kind of just talks about trying to essentially break down, um, this division, um, which is kind of being forced on us in many ways and to kind of relate to one another and find commonalities to, um, yeah, I, I guess maybe, maybe you're better at, at defining it because, um, you've worded it really well in the essay, but I'm probably not doing it justice here. So maybe you can just give us a bit of, of a background about the theme of that essay and also kind of, um, yeah, your, your inspiration in writing it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head as well. I mean, essentially, it's really hard, I think, right now for people to stay positive, right? There's so much negativity in the world. And so we tend to kind of focus on that. And I catch myself in that as well, where I'm just kind of, this is horrible, and the powerful are doing this, and look at all of this warfare. And I mean, you get caught up in these things. But if we can kind of focus on the other end of it, which I think is, excuse me, our humanity in general, you know, like I... I think that we don't talk enough about empathy. We don't talk enough about relating to one another. We don't talk enough about, you know, even just something as simple as walking down the street and making eye contact with people and smiling and, you know, talking to somebody that hands you your coffee or just making connections in everyday life, I think it's far more important than we realize. And so kind of in writing that I was, I was trying to focus on the positive and the fact that we have so many great attributes that I believe make us human and, I guess it comes down to that, you know, do you think humans are intrinsically good or evil? I think they're good. I think that we are just essentially, we are easily manipulated. I, I think that's one thing we really need to realize as humans. Maybe that is kind of an, it's hard for us to accept that, but we're very easily manipulated. However, I think we're a product of our environment in a lot of ways. And if we had, you know, a different option, which I believe we do, then I think you'd see a lot better from humans. And I think you find that people want to connect and they want to help each other out and
1: they want to,
0: there isn't as much apathy as you would think. I, it's really more that people don't know what to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems that there's powerful people that seem to want, maybe you'd agree with this. I think that there there is a kind of culture of everything should be done by the government. Everything should be done by large institutions or corporations. But actually just individuals connecting with one another seems to always just be kind of dissuaded. And and I don't think that's a, a, accidental. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, for sure. You know, of course, because again, it's how many people how, numbers, how many people do we have versus how many people do they have? And, and that's really well known, right? I think the problem becomes when you, you start to believe those things that are, like you said, being purposely put into our minds that, We have no commonalities. You know, if you and I disagree about one thing, we must hate each other and we should never try to talk about anything ever again because we're never going to find common ground. And that's just, I mean, that's illogical. People every day have disagreements or, you know, they have difference of opinions. That doesn't mean that there isn't something you can relate to someone about deeply and connect with them and care about them.
1: Yeah, I mean it sounds like you've managed to keep quite a kind of holistic or yeah, I, I guess, um, empathetic attitude um, towards other people, given that there is so much division in the world, which I know I struggle to do. Like I, I try to think like that and I try to always try to think empathetically, but I definitely struggle, especially since 2021. I think that it seems that for me, one side really overstepped the line in this kind of culture war um, in terms of trying to take the freedoms of the other side, essentially. And, and I don't really like to use the, the, the term side, but I think that in this case, there definitely was two sides. There was people who were kind of standing up for fundamental freedoms and other people who seemed to be able to, or, or be willing to kind of um, throw them away at the drop of a hat. Um, so... Yeah, I guess um, how do you how do you manage to keep that empathy? Is there is there something in the water over there in DC that makes people uh, manage to uh, manage to be more empathetic? Because I would have thought that would have been actually one of the places where you would most struggle to find commonalities.
0: Um, I definitely don't think it's in the water in DC, right? Um, no, I mean I think it's it's more or less just reminding myself that you know, number one, I didn't always have the same opinions that I have now. So people can change, you know, maybe they grow or they evolve. Um, number two being that fear is such a huge tactic. And I think it's so manipulative and really disgusting that's used against us. And so I do want to give space for that. You know, when I, of course, you know, especially on Twitter, when you have like all these silly kind of back and forth arguments, but some things can really stay with you. And there was a lot of, you know, oh, well, you don't care about other people, you don't care about our children, you don't care about our elderly. And, you know, you hear that over and over again, you start to kind of internalize those negative feelings. Like, why would someone say that about me? But at the end of the day, especially talking about, you know, COVID in the past few years, it came down to fear. And that kind of makes me sad, I guess, more than anything, that people are so, or at least were so terrified that, they lost that humanity. And um, I think throughout history, we've really seen that. I I don't know that you can't, you know, even say during Nazi Germany that a lot of the people, they did do horrific things. They went along with horrific things. I'm not excusing it, but it definitely came from fear. And I think if we can better understand fear and understand these, you know, emotions that are used against us, um, I think we can learn to combat them.
1: How do you get around that though? Because... I I totally agree with you that fear is a big obstacle that we've all got to overcome, but it does seem like there's a lot of people in society that maybe just have not reconciled. Um, In my view, I think that people not reconciling the concept of their own death actually has led to a society which is totally irrational um, in a way and kind of neurotic because we do absolutely crazy things like, you know, I never thought that we would see the day where people say, okay, I'm gonna just lock myself in in my home for like an indefinite period of time because I'm afraid of a virus, for instance. Because once you've once you've kind of done that, once you've gone there, you're essentially saying, like, my, my desire to live um or my desire to kind of continue living without risk essentially supersedes any other desires that I might have to actually live a fulfilling life. And mm-hmm. there's so many people who seem to have that philosophy. So why is it that people like me and you can recognize that that is crazy and other people seem to uh, live like that? like I just don't I feel like this is a recent phenomenon, and it's not happened um throughout human history. It's almost like a kind of a glitch um in the human psyche that's only happened recently, but um I can't quite figure out exactly where this has come from.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's like a really interesting way to look at it, and I don't disagree at all. I think. I was actually having a conversation recently with this, you know, about this with a friend and it's it's kind of like, you know, we're changing from generation to generation when it comes to religion, because religion was definitely something that people have always held on to, you know, to fill that gap in their mind of death, coming to terms with death. What happens when we die? You know, these questions that we don't have answers to. And as we've gone on, we've kind of stepped away from religion for good reason. I mean, I I don't know if you're religious or not. I, and I don't have anything against anyone that is religious. I don't believe in organized religion simply because of what's come of it. But I do think that I'm somewhat a spiritual person and, and you know, believing in some kind of connectivity or higher being than what we know of. But I think that huge gap for people is what causes this fear of of death. And, and you said it really well, like, and then you're so scared you're not even living. Um, but again, you know, we've never been surrounded by these screens throughout human history like we are now that are constantly telling us like to just be so scared that all logic goes out the window.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is probably a good time to dive back a little into your history. Um, It is your kind of current political philosophy, or I guess it's not necessarily a political philosophy, but a kind of philosophy of life. Is that something that you've arrived at recently or it's been kind of cultivated over a longer period like what was what was your kind of um, belief system growing up I guess
0: oh well I definitely wasn't raised religious Um, I did grow up in an area that was a little bit more conservative and tended to be a little more religious but I think that over time it's evolved into that I'm very comfortable with the fact that I'm a spiritual person I think a lot of people maybe think that you know, especially our generation, it's like, oh, well, I'm not religious at all. And so therefore, I'm an atheist, or I don't believe in anything whatsoever. I think over time, I definitely came to be someone who was more open to the idea that there's something or there's something I can't say it's someone, but there's something certainly that connects us and that uh, connects us not only to our each other, but to nature, and to the, the planet. And I think that's given me comfort. So now maybe that's just another, you know, kind of as religion can be a comfort to me, but um, definitely over time, I think I've kind of evolved to that place where I'm comfortable in that thought process. And, and I think that, you know, for anybody, of course you want to believe that there's, you know, some, something more than just, okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to collect a check. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to do it for pretty much, 50 years of my life, and then I'm going to, you know, live out the however many years I have, and then I'm going to die. I just never thought that that was all that there was to humanity or to the life experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of there with you, actually, like, I wouldn't call myself a religious person. Um, although, in fairness, I think that the past couple of years has definitely kind of turned me on to a few of the ideas of uh, more traditional religion. Um, I guess yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it like organized religion that I um kind of have more sympathy for now, but just some of the the ideas. And I, I guess for me, honestly, like I feel like um what we've seen since um the beginning of 2020, some of the things that that I've seen, I just there's a kind of palpable evil about it. And I, I try not to go too down this um down this road and and sound like a bit of a kind of evangelist of some sort but there does seem to me some some lines that have kind of been crossed that have made me kind of think there are people out there who almost seem to have a anti-human or anti-life kind of ideology or a pushing for something which to me just feels so antithetical to the kind of um ideas we should be living by or the kind of um or ideals is probably a better word that we should be that we should be um striving towards Um, so has that, has anything changed for you in that respect in the past two years, or or do you think that your, your kind of spirituality has remained pretty consistent during this time?
0: Uh, I think that I've definitely noticed what you've noticed, you know, and I think that there's truth to that. And I think that when you start to think on a bigger scale of how much control and power and violence and war, of course, these are just inherently evil things and because they become so much more prominent in our everyday life, I think that it's natural for us to to kind of say, OK, well, these are ideals that I would never align myself with. And so what is maybe not the opposite, but what can I align myself with in some way mentally that feels healthier and feels more natural and feels, you know, the essentially, yeah, I guess the opposite of what I'm experiencing, you know, I, I definitely can relate to that. Um, I think for a long time, I've kind of realized in some degree, you know, when you speak of like some of these warmongers or some of these, that there's like a true evil. And I don't know if that's based in some, not maybe like religious way, but like a spiritual way because like, you can't really line up in your mind why anybody would, even if you were, you know, ultimately powerful and had so much money. And would you be that disconnected? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were working, um, in DC and presumably you're around a lot of politically, um, motivated people. And you mentioned there was kind of NGO work and stuff in the, in the periphery. Um, what's, what's it like? What's the, um, what's the culture like out there?
0: (laughs) Um, well, it depends for sure. Um, and you know, I do think that it's definitely, it has been a, for a very long time, pretty split down the middle. Um, you don't find too many people that like we were talking about at the beginning, you know, of our conversation where they're open to the idea of not aligning on one side of the, you know, political spectrum or the other. Um, there's definitely a lot of like tribalism in that regard. Uh, so you kind of have to tread, carefully depending upon you know what groups you're in or where you are I don't really like I've said I don't really surround myself with that you know or I'm not in that environment very much anymore but when I was you know back when I first moved here I just felt that it was really fake it was really really fake it didn't feel you know that anybody had uh, there's a lot of talking points that were always said or a lot of things that you know were just regurgitated that they were Points that they were hearing or a lot of outrage depending upon what was being told to them you know just typical like you see on social media but that definitely reverberates in real life and uh is very noticeable in dc yeah
1: yeah um just going back to your article a second you mentioned that well in, in the article obviously you're you're kind of discussing how people can come together despite some of the polarities and, and things like that that's going on in the world Um. How do you see that happening? like what do you think are the actual core values that we can get back to because it, i I try to remain positive about this, but i also i'm kind of i kind of feel like these divides that we have in society are somewhat irreparable until there is a kind of a willingness to how do I turn this like a willingness to to compromise on one side and I kind of feel like the value set that um you know, someone like I have, and, you know, presumably you'd be, um, if not in my camp, pretty close to it, which is, you know, the fundamental ideas of things like, you know, human freedom and, you know, bodily autonomy and things like this. Um, I kind of feel like there's not going to be any budging on that. Um, and it requires a, it it requires the other side. And I kind of put that in, in quotations to have an actual reconsidering of their values and, a kind of realignment to things where they're actually recognizing okay that these are fundamental values that we shouldn't be compromising on we shouldn't be saying um, you know that it's it's okay for someone else to demand that you get an injection or it's okay to you know ban someone from a public space if they haven't had a medical procedure etc um i can 't see this divide being healed obviously I want it to be healed through um, words and through kind of persuasion but my ultimate goal really is that I think that the people on the other side need to be persuaded um towards our way of thinking I can't see that many shared um values um at least that aren't being contradicted right because um obviously there are some some shared values we might all agree on but I kind of think that some of those have been breached and that kind of puts in jeopardy the whole structure if you see what I'm saying like um I'm not sure if I've kind of um if I've explained that correctly. But I guess what I'm getting at is um, where do we find that point of diplomacy between these kind of two very divided sides in in your view?
0: Well, I think just in general, what we're going to be seeing you know, um, over the next however many years, more and more people are going to be in dire situations where they're not going to be able to pay their mortgage. They're not going to be able to have access to... You know, we're having already kind of food shortages here in the U.S. More and more people are going to find themselves in compromising situations where they're going to have to rely on their neighbors and they're going to have to rely on family members maybe that they haven't spoken to because they had some stupid argument about, you know, something that doesn't mean so much when you look at in the grand scheme of things. And when you're in such a situation that we are going to find ourselves in, we're going to have to rely on each other. I think that's one aspect of it that is just naturally going to happen. You know, I remember having a conversation not too long ago um, with Slow Day. I don't know if you follow them at all, but they're really great. And we were talking and, and, you know, he was saying something along the lines about whenever you see natural disasters, for instance, um, you don't see the government or, you know, you don't see billionaires or these celebrities. These aren't people that come to your you're saying, you know, to, to come and help you, you're seeing your neighbors, you're seeing people that, you know, live down the street from you. You're seeing people that maybe you've never even spoken to before, strangers, you're seeing the people help each other. And I think there's something to be said about that because I don't think that it even, it's something we consciously do necessarily. Maybe it's subconscious that you, we just kind of come together in that way. Um, so I think that that's one aspect of it. That we may see. Um, I think another aspect, just speaking specifically of, uh, you know, bodily autonomy in COVID and the things that we've gone through over the past couple of years. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people. I don't know if you are as well, um, on social media who were very much very on this side of, you know, we need mandatory vaccinations. We need vax passports, all of these things who either saw firsthand um you know maybe they had themselves or a friend that was was harmed by the injection maybe they feel very much like hey i was told that if i did this i would be protected and i wasn't um so i think just that in itself we're seeing a shift um and i think when people realize that they've been fooled they start to get angry and they start to ask questions and that's ultimately what's going to bring us together is people asking those questions of themselves you know, coming to those conclusions themselves, I should say.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely hope that that happens. My worry is that some people are so invested in this narrative, and they've gone so far down this line that there's almost nothing now that they can see that will make them recognize that they've made a a huge mistake. It's funny. I, I've been watching this um, this a few netflix things recently that you know netflix they they kind of have these things and they'll follow like a little theme for a while where everything kind of has a similar theme and at the moment the the kind of trending theme seems to be these kind of really sociopathic people who have some somehow led led their you know whether it's their wife or a friend or whatever like astray and um the the kind of common the commonality with some of these stories is that this kind of um sociopathic person kind of get, tell someone so many lies that it's almost like it gets to a point where they, they don't want to admit they've been fooled, so they'll keep believing the next lie because, because the moment they stop, they have to kind of face the consequence of all of the previous lies and what that actually means about their kind of existence and where they've come to. And I, I actually feel like we're in a similar place when it comes to um, just on a, on a much more wider, larger scale. In society, it's like people have been fed so many lies. I mean, COVID, I think, put a lot of people over the edge, and um, people started saying, "Okay, well, this, this is just not true," and started to kind of face up to that fact. Um, But for the people who haven't, they've swallowed a lie that's that's so big that it's almost like it's really difficult now to come back from that. It's really difficult to admit that you have been duped because the 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 kind of ramifications of that are so big, you know, you're essentially saying, you know, my, my government isn't there to protect protect me. My government, in fact, is um doing quite the opposite. You know, my, my government is completely lying to me and um does not have my best interests at heart. So yeah, I, I really, I really hope that people can come to that. But my my worry is that as the as the lies progressively get swallowed, that people are just almost kind of browbeaten into just swallowing the next one and the next one, and the next one, and are not going to come to this point of um, kind of reconciliation with what's happened and and, and where we are, um, you know, in terms of our trust for institutions and governments.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think that really we are kind of in, like you said, on a larger scale and an abusive relationship with the powerful. And I think that it's very difficult for people to Come to terms with that. You know, you kind of have stocks, Stockholm Syndrome or, you know, you kind of just have to lie to yourself in order to accept that truth somewhere deep inside though. You know that that's the truth. Um, and there, and you know what? There are people that come out of that on their own. And then there are people that I think, like you said, they just continue so far down that path because they don't know how to come back from it. And, and I agree with you. There's plenty of people, look, who, <laughs> No matter what happens, what happens five years down the road, 10 years down the road, what happens tomorrow, they're not going to come to terms with that. That's just a the reality. There's plenty of those people. But I think on a larger scale, there will be more of an awakening. I think there will be more of a, of a having maybe a force of hand to come to terms. Um, but just, I mean, for people like you and myself and many others, I also just, I guess I can't, Wrap my head around it being helpful if I were to be someone who wasn't empathetic or or wasn't open um, to them possibly coming to those realizations because, you know, like what's the saying, you get more bees with honey than you do vinegar, or, you know, like I think that there's truth to that just in humanity. And if, and if, if I'm a divisive person and I'm constantly saying like you're wrong or, you know, you're stupid or, you may even be dangerous like given the past couple years um then they're never gonna they're gonna shut down completely there's no one's ever gonna listen to me on any level or anybody for that matter about a difference of opinion um so i guess that's kind of what i've tried to you're not wrong i've tried to stay in that mindset but it can be very difficult
1: (laughs) yeah no i think i think your attitude is is actually you know bang on because um Yeah, I've definitely had my times when I've gone through being just really, really angry, like just frustrated. And I think in the heat of it all, you know, when everything was kind of going on in 2020 and 2021, um, you know, I just had a lot of anger there because I could see things just going in such a terrible direction and people were just kind of going along with it. Um, And I think that now, now that we're kind of coming out of this, or at least, you know, I don't know whether it will, it's a temporary thing or whether this is going to be going to kind of continue. But at the moment, the, the trajectory is in a good direction. There's that kind of space, and I'm certainly feeling much more like okay. There's room to um, there's room to think a bit more now. There's room to be a bit more calm and a bit more collected because we're not necessarily staring down the barrel of a gun as we were, at least with regards to the COVID situation. I know we've got a, a whole cataclysm of other stuff in the pipeline right but like right. at least for the covid thing it's it's not kind of um yeah we, we're not like at this stage being marched to the gulag right so so right. there's there's, t- there's time to have those conversations and be more um empathetic but um yeah you mentioned that um in the future we we're gonna we're gonna have to be more community community orientated and you know we're gonna have to know our neighbors etc more um i'm interested to know like First of all, why you think that's going to be the case? Like, what's the the change in society that we're going to have that's going to lead us there? And um, yeah, like um, yeah, let's let, let's start there. But also, how um, how you think it's, how you think people will adapt their behavior off the back of that.
0: Well, I mean, I can't say for sure, right? I mean, there's so many different, like you said, so many different things in the pipeline coming. But I do believe that we've just seen this trend that there's no denying. Um, They continue to, you know, manufacture these crises, these, especially right now, like inflation, for instance, they're manufacturing these economic crises that are putting more and more people into really horrible situations that they themselves never thought they would be in i don't foresee that changing i can only foresee that getting worse simply because i think once you have a population that doesn't have access to as many resources that they once had number one again like fear that we've talked about but number two well that's just easier to control and i do believe you know given kind of these groups that we're seeing come out of the woodwork and these names um, associated with like the WEF and stuff, and kind of seeing things on a global scale, they want like this global dominant, or not even dominance, I guess, more like a globalized idea of what government means or what money means. And and so I think that we're going to see a lot of that come to light in the next, I don't know how long, I would say probably sooner than we think, but where there's going to be a push for more control on the individual level, given technology, right? Like we're going to see a push for digital IDs. We're going to see a push for, you know, um, when they talk about things like climate change, you know, weather travel restrictions, all of these things, I think, are definitely in the pipeline for humanity. And I do believe that people are going to realize pretty quickly, at least a lot of people, that this is not in our best interest. Um, Like you said, there's always going to be people that keep eating lie after lie after lie, but there's, I think it'll be interesting to see how many people really would think that that would be something that would benefit them. Um, But again, who knows? Because I think that it'll be something along the lines of probably climate change. I think we're going to see a lot of that coming up, not to say climate change isn't real or not real, but to utilize it in a way that benefits the powerful, just like everything else that they do or that they tell us. Um, so th- th- that's kind of what I see happening. I don't know if you agree with any of that or what you see happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess this is where I have an area of positivity because I kind of feel like with, with some of this, I, I definitely have more of a negative attitude, but, um, I, I, my belief is that everything has every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And this is true when it comes to kind of centralization and decentralization. And at the moment there is a push towards massive centralization and massive control over individual lives. And I think that this, this might work for a time, but I think that it will be in everyone's individual interest to do the exact opposite of that. So like as they, as food becomes, you know, more expensive, it's going to become more beneficial for people, for instance, to grow their own food, you know, as, Um, money gets devalued, it becomes more beneficial for people to buy Bitcoin. And I think that with almost everything they're doing, there is going to be a opposite reaction, which the individual is incentivized to do. And ultimately, I think that decentralization happens a lot faster um, than centralization, because it's it's actually very hard to get everyone to do something that you want them to do, especially when their interests are in complete contradiction to it. So yeah, I do think that. that's somewhere that I am positive because I think, well, um, they can try and do this stuff, uh, but I don't think it's going to work. And they're actually going to have to get exponentially more um, authoritarian in order to push through what they want. Uh, you know, I, I heard the other day that apparently in, I can't remember if it was Australia or somewhere, they're bringing in laws or restrictions about growing your own food. I heard that there was a, at least one place in America that they were making it illegal to collect rainwater. Uh, you know, These things ultimately cannot be justified whatsoever. I think with a lot of, um, things they're trying to bring in, like you said, they can be justified through, okay, well, you know, um, we need to bring in mandatory van- vaccinations because, um, you know, there's a pandemic or we need to, you know, stop you from using your car because climate change. Right. But when it comes to saying you can't grow your own food, you can't collect rainwater. I mean, they're, the kind of justifications for those kind of draconian controls are going to have to get so outrageously kind of absurd that I think that it is going to wake more and more people up. And then again, as more and more people wake up, they take the actions to defend themselves against these, um, these same people. So yeah, I think I'm kind of long-term positive about that, but I do, I definitely agree that in, in the short term, things will get pretty messy. I think that the, the water is going to continue to boil and it'll be a while until people have the ability to kind of jump out of it. Um, you know, cause, cause these things do take time. It takes time to, to build up your own sovereignty and to build up your own community, et cetera.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's definitely true. And I agree with that. I think it's a great way to see things as well because I thought that myself, even with, you know, the past few years with COVID, I've thought, well, you kind of shot yourself in the foot in a lot of ways, you know, because they're showing their true colors in these authoritative, more, you know, unjustifiable actions that are going to force people who may not have necessarily paid as much attention, or maybe not even that they haven't paid attention, but maybe that they never really questioned some of these things, um, it's going to force them to kind of look at, you know, look around and say, okay, well, none of this actually makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, then what's the motive behind it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, I sometimes have to remind myself just how far we've actually come because it's almost like, I mean, I I remember back in, you know, maybe it's a long time ago now, maybe one or two years after 9-11. And I became a skeptic about the narrative around 9-11. And you're talking about these things, you were taught, you were, it was like, you were crazy. I mean, nobody was talking about it. It was just a fringe group of people who were talking about this stuff. And now you've got, but like mainstream journalists talking about you know the world economic forum you've got you know this conversation is so wide now you know the wef is twitter is um is trending all the time on twitter now people are going there you've got independent journalists going there covering their events saying you know um what they're trying to do and and kind of like ambushing them and asking them questions etc there seems to be now a kind of acceptance that there is a it's not just that it's a movement but it's it's kind of like it's not totally considered crazy to think that there are kind of nefarious forces at play and nefarious actors um on the kind of geopolitical world stage which are working against your interests and um i think that once there is the awareness once that seed has been planted it has the potential to grow and you know i'm not saying that it's going to you know turn into some kind of massive revolution but Hopefully, people will at least say, "Okay, I don't necessarily trust these actors. I'm going to, um, you know, try to wean myself off these institutions in some way. Wean myself off, um, you know, needing um, governments or or large corporations, and, and try to make myself more independent and more autonomous over my life."
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think that you know those small steps ultimately lead to bigger things for the individual, you know, because if you're, you're taking that kind of stance, and you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to rely on government for, you know, even something like growing my own food, or maybe, you know, you have this whole kind of group of people that are about living off the grid, or, you know, when I had traveled overseas, I met people from all around the world that were absolutely, I wouldn't, yeah, I guess anti-government to a certain extent, but more or less they were just very individualized. They're very independent. They didn't feel that they had to, nor did they want to rely on their governments. And I think that we are going to see more and more of that. We already are. And it's funny that you say, you know, about conspiracy theorists. I mean, I've been called a conspiracy theorist, I think since I was like, you know, 18 years old. And it was always this like negative connotation. And it made me feel, you know, kind of isolated and kind of, Questioned myself, like, am I just kind of running with these things in my mind and there's no truth behind them. But now it's really crazy to see these things become not mainstream, but like you said, to see so many people having like these open conversations on social media and to see these independent journalists going to these places and, you know, to have these characters that we've been th- thinking about and talking about forever coming to light. I mean, that's hugely positive and gives me a lot of hope
1: yeah yeah i I definitely think there is a, a kind of awakening that's going on and it's almost like there's been so much happening it's there's almost not been an opportunity to step back and just see how far it's come i mean i mean twitter now that's all it is that's all twitter is about twitter is basically just this massive uh movement of people um who are questioning the narrative and you know don't get me wrong like there there are other uses for Twitter, but I would say, I would say that I'm not, I'm not necessarily just speaking from my echo chamber to say, to, to say this. I mean, you know, I can lock, I can log out of my account completely and I can just look down the feed of Twitter and you're going to start seeing things that are questioning the narrative and a lot of alternative ideas being put out there. And, you know, I know we've got some big people who are kind of joining this, I say joining this movement. I know a lot of people kind of credit like Joe Rogan and Elon Musk as if they're somehow, the kind of lords and saviors of like free speech or whatever but personally i just think that these people are following the direction of the tide essentially you know these people are in my view they're they're downstream of this movement and they've kind of recognized you know an opportunity to be on the right side of things and but i think that the movement was already there it was already gathering steam and now you've got big players who are kind of um joining that and in the uk here we've got this um this kind of new news network um called gb news and um before that we had one called talk radio which was the only thing that was really questioning things like lockdowns and and masks but only you know it was, it was mild it was it was a gentle touch and you know it, it kind of wasn't really uh they were being too soft essentially and then you have this new news network called gb news which um i don't know whether you're familiar with it there's a guy there um called neil oliver who does these speeches and they're, they're really excellent so if you haven't um checked it out yet i definitely recommend that you do i don't know if it's big at all in, in america um but yeah th- this channel essentially is just kind of taking that conversation further and asking much more hardline questions and i'm sure that if they went soft on these topics there's an opportunity for for someone else to come and step in its place and you've got all of these independent journalists as well who are doing really well so you know i think that i've kind of lost the <laughs> the point of what, where i was going with this but yeah i think that there is a a movement that's gathered so much steam and it's almost kind of taken everyone by such surprise we haven't even stepped back to notice just how much it has grown
0: yeah i mean even look at like independent journalism in in itself or you know some of like the bigger journalists that stepped away from their outlets you know like i know glenn greenwald was a big one where he stepped away from the intercept and he went and i think he's basically you know just completely funded by his viewership and i mean that in itself is huge. Uh, generation right before us, even I think was very hesitant to listen to anything that wasn't mainstream. And now you have so many people that recognize that mainstream is essentially just state propaganda, or at the very least, they realize that it's not to be, it, it's taken with a grain of salt or that there's some kind of motivation for what they're saying. But, you know, I don't think like you said we've really taken a step back and thought just in the past 10 years how that has changed drastically for all around the world where you have you know people that can be trusted or i guess it is really a trust thing but it's also more or less that they're asking the questions that's not you're not going to hear on any mainstream news channel whatsoever they're not going to ask those questions they're just going to repeat narratives over and over and So that in itself is kind of indicative of just an awakening from a level that we were at to where we are now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you going to do more writing then? Are you going to continue that? Because uh, I see, I know you've got one article there, but I I don't know if you have more or or more in the pipeline.
0: Yeah, I think that my goal is really to kind of make my own substack and and maybe even a podcast at some point in time. Uh, This is all very, very new to me. Like I... I started utilizing Twitter Twitter about two years ago and prior to that I, I had Facebook and Instagram which I just couldn't be on anymore because talk about you know propaganda and I don't know those sites really just seem to be completely the algorithm is just insane to me but um, even just doing like podcasts and stuff this is probably like my fourth or fifth time that I've that I've done this but I do find that you know it's just very uplifting. It's great to connect with people that you would never otherwise be able to connect with. It's great to be able to have these conversations, you know, that maybe you're not having at work or you're not having, you know, on the bus or whatever. So, so yeah, that's my goal for sure. Shirt short term Form is, um, sub stack and, and possibly a
1: podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I just think that we can't have enough of these kind of things ultimately, because if we, are going to be out there criticizing the mainstream media and saying, you know, you're not having these conversations, you're not talking about this, you're not talking about that. We've kind of got to be willing to, to actually say, okay, well, we're going to start challenging it. We're going to start having those conversations ourselves. And yeah, really for me, when I started this one, it was, it was just that there was so many interesting people I was connected to, um, on Twitter. And I was like, I just want to speak to some of these people. I just kind of would love to have a conversation with them. Exactly. Like it sounds what your motivation is. I was just like, I'm not getting these conversations in real life let's have them and hit record um but yeah and then i just like really enjoyed it so i'm kind of uh, like it's a lot of work don't get me wrong but um you know i'm, I'm really glad that i did actually start it i just think that yeah we we can't have enough of the of these kind of things we need to connect and kind of build something new and and i think that you know i'm a big advocate for decentralization so i just think like it doesn't matter how how small your podcast how small your podcast is or or your articles how how much reach they get You know the important thing is just kind of like doing something to kind of combat um the otherwise massively centralized narrative that's going on there. So yeah, um, that'd be awesome if you if you end up starting something that'd be great. Um, so before we sign off, um, you've been actually super positive throughout this whole thing, which is great because normally what I do is I I kind of save the end section for a more positive message. Um, but I'm going to throw it over to you anyway, just for you to to say kind of what you think we can all be doing essentially to try to live more in line with our principles and to also kind of defend ourselves against some of the darker things that might be coming down the line
0: yeah i mean i think that something that i've started to do more recently as well is just as like we're talking about connecting in this way i've tried to really here and there kind of feel out the situation but kind of connecting with people just in everyday life you know even like i was at the cafe the other day and i got a coffee from this guy and he was like, yeah, you know, unfortunately we're cashless. And we started just having a conversation. I kind of felt out like, well, what do you feel about that? And what do you think about like, if we ever all went cashless altogether and just kind of different things, you know, to see where people are at and you find, especially like a great thing, you know, if you're in an Uber or something, like just talk to your driver, you know, like just talk to people that you're, are in the direct vicinity of you, feel out the situation and you're going to find that actually a lot of people uh, have a lot of common thoughts that you have, um, you know, and, and I think that that in itself is just such a positive thing because it doesn't, it helps to combat those feelings of like loneliness or, you know, that maybe we're isolated from the bigger picture. And, and we're not, I think that we actually, we see the bigger picture and a lot of people do. And the more that we get out there and just kind of grab onto those ideas and those people and those thoughts, I mean, the better off we'll all be for it.
1: Awesome. Well, Erin, thanks so much for coming on and having a conversation. Do you want to just let people know where they can find you before signing off?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, my Twitter handle is just a thought and it's at E underscore G A L D.
1: Great. Thanks so much. And write some more articles too.
0: <laughs> All right. I will. Thanks so much. Take it easy. You too.